Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leadership Podcast. My name is Rich Velotis. I'm the lead pastor at New Life Fellowship Church here in Queens, New York City. And I'm here, as always, with Pete Scazzaro. Pete is the founder of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He's also the founder of New Life Fellowship Church. And uh, today we're going to talk about leadership and singleness. And so, Pete, we've talked about leading out of your marriage. Uh, today we're going to talk about leading out of your singleness. And so, uh, let's just frame the conversation. Uh, why should we be talking about leading out of singleness? Not many people seem to be talking about it. There doesn't seem to be a lot of books on this topic here. Why talk about leading out of your singleness? Well, let, let, me, let, let me begin by saying that even as we enter this conversation, that I bring certain limits to the table uh, because I want to be sensitive to the singles who are out there. So number one, obviously, I've been married for 31 years. Uh, so the bulk of my experience has been as a married person. Secondly, I come out of the, our tradition, which is a evangelical, charismatic, Protestant tradition, which really has not valued singleness, mm -hmm. uh, has not developed a theology around singleness over the last almost 500 years. And then thirdly, really, I've only been in this uh, seriously for the last 10 years, which is not a long time mm -hmm. in terms of studying it, researching it, as well as intentionally entering into singles worlds. But the reason it's so important is because we have so many single leaders uh, in the church, and it's an increasing population, and it's so biblically important. And we're and, and right now the, the tendency is to overemphasize the need to be married and be a leader over and against singleness mm. as a leader, and which is so interesting because it's so different than scripture and so different than church history. Mm. Jesus is single. Paul single. John the Baptist, John the Baptist. is single. And so if you look at history, that for the first 1,500 years of the church, uh, if you were married, you sat in the back of the church and singles were in the front. But after the Reformation, it was singles were in the back of the church and marriage were in the front. Mm. And so it's just interesting how history ha has shifted. And so if there's three main branches of, of the church in the world, the Orthodox and Roman Catholics have a very health, have a, have a pretty strong theology for single leadership. The Protestant tradition, which is ours, or, or, or branch of the church, does not have a strong theology of singleness mm -hmm. and for leadership. And as a result, we have just lost and we're losing such a wealth and richness for the church and our mission in the world. Mm -hmm. Now you talk about there are two types of singles in our conversations here. Um, go into some of those, uh, the two uh, types of singles that frame really our conversation here. Now again, let me just say, before I start that, is that singles come from all different directions in the church. You have widows and widowers, you've got folks who've been divorced, you've got those who've never married, uh, would like to have met someone, just didn't happen. Uh, you have those who, uh, because of their callings, are in locations or professions where they're not exposed, they're not meeting people, and they, they did that purposely for the sake of their calling or, or vocation. But scripture uh, lays out two types of singleness. Mm. For us, the first uh, I just call I just call vocational celibates, and Jesus talked about that in Matthew 19 uh, himself, where he says, uh, "Not everyone can accept this, but only those to whom it's been given." But some are eunuchs, and he gives different examples. He goes, "But some are eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God." Matthew 19:12, and Jesus makes a case: there are some men and women who are given a grace, and then they choose to receive that grace. You don't have to take it mm. to uh, live in the already of the kingdom of God, skipping the sign of marriage and living already married to Christ. They're living in the not yet. 
And uh, that's what Paul actually prefers in 1 Corinthians mm. chapter 7. So that's vocational celibacy. Now, very, very few are called to that. They're found mostly today in Orthodox and Roman Catholic ecumenical monasteries and orders. Mm. Uh, but they've gone through a process over many years. The second and much more widespread classification of singles is, I call them dedicated celibates. And that is that for whatever reason, they're single, they, they'd like to be married mm. uh, at some point if God would open that door. But for now, they're single. And they're celibate in a sense of they're not having sexual relationships with people, not hooking up uh, because of their marriage to Christ. And they live very intentionally for Christ out of their singleness. Mm. Most of the leaders in our churches who are pastors and singles are, are functioning as uh, dedicated celibates. Mm. And so let's uh, connect this now with leadership. When we talk about marriage, uh, leading out of your marriage, we're talking about uh, your marriage becoming your first ambition. Before we think about the church and vision and strategy and budget, uh, we're living out of a, a place of ambition, passion for uh, one spouse. Yes. Now, with singleness, it's a, a bit different, obviously, but talk about this notion of ambition yes. and leadership. Are, are there parallels? What's, what's the difference? Yeah, so, so again, let me, let, we need single, you single leaders uh, who are listening and watching this, we need you to take your place in the body of Christ and to lead strongly, like Christ, like Paul, like John the Baptist. Uh, but you need to understand that singleness is a vocation, even if it's just a temporary vocation. What's interesting is even most married people will live a good portion of their life as singles because people are living much longer, they marry much later, so understanding and grasping this, voc I call it the vo it's a vocation. And it has been understood in church history as a vocation. Our first vocation is to Jesus. We're full-time ministry. We're called to him, by him, and for him. But our secondary vocation is either to be married or single. Hmm. And so when I say make healthy singleness or make this vocation of singleness your first ambition, not leadership, what I mean by that is that you nurture this vocation that God has placed you in, hmm. that right now you're single for whatever reason. And therefore, you're single and married to Christ, and it has certain, there's a certain spirituality for singleness, single leader, that is different than a married spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, let's take, you know, what does it mean to make singleness your first ambition? So, for example, doing healthy self-care mm -hmm. is very, very uh, foundational, that you're leading out of a cup that overflows. I love Parker Palmer's great quote that, uh, self-care is not selfishness, it's stewardship of the only gift you, you could ever care for, which is yourself, your person. Mm. So you do good self-care, so you're not, you're, you're, you're not taking up, quote, what married people aren't doing because they're married and get responsibilities. No, you're, you're, you're making sure you're leading out of a cup that overflows. What else is there? Um, you're, you're investing in some tight relationships in community, uh, in the church. Of course, broadly, the church is very important, but you've got one or two excellent friends that you're developing, you're cultivating, that you're walking through life with. That's, that takes time and energy. Mm. Thirdly, you're, you're actually learning skills to bond with people. Uh, we call them emotionally healthy skills, but you're, you're growing in your ability to connect with people on an emotional and an appropriate physical touch level. Mm. And so that's why it's part of our discipleship at New Life. And then fourthly, you're also, when I say make it your ambition, you're, you're spending time remaining open to meet someone. I mean, if you're a dedicated, celibate you're, you're, you'd like to marry someday it's healthy it's a good thing to put yourself in positions and places where you can potentially meet people mm. and um another 
piece that we've been talking about is especially the parallel of marriage to Christ leading out of your marriage is our marriages are to be uh, the loudest gospel message that we proclaim. Would you say the same thing about singleness? Is singleness yeah. the loudest gospel message that we proclaim as well? Yes, because we proclaim Christ out of who we are. And so in a sense, just like marriage is meant to be a sign and a wonder, our singleness is meant to be a sign that points to Jesus. And so what that looks like is you're very, to be a dedicated celibate for Christ is so countercultural. It's so prophetic in our culture. Yeah, it's almost strange to even talk about it. It's so rare. Uh, think of how many cultures where if you don't have a, a, an heir or a son to carry on the family name, the Velotis name, it's like, oh, something's wrong because you know, I, need, you know, I need that name passed on. I need a son. Uh, do you realize that our, we, we witness to the resurrection mm. in Christ, that we're part of a global family that's going to be eternal, and that we believe in the resurrection of the dead? And singles more than anyone, because we're connected to the church, we understand that marriage will pass away and that we're birthing sons and daughters mm. in the kingdom of God, and these relations will live forever. Mm. We understand fruitfulness biblically so differently. Singles bear witness to that, mm. that we're I'm married to Christ. And like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, that uh, I want to live a life of undevoted distraction you know, to the Lord. And so we're modeling a, a passion, a devotion, a, a lack of distractibility, and, 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 a, and a width of, a, of the love of Christ to the world. And... Uh, and we're not ashamed of it. Mm. And we lead along with married uh, and, giving, and giving credence to the fact that our lives are Jesus. Mm. So but Jerry and I, we both had you know, eight or nine years of singleness, uh, the two of us in our 20s before we got married. So I, I was uh, a single Christian from 19 to 28 years old. And, uh, and I, was, I loved being a single. It was a privilege and it was a joy. It was a delight. In fact, Jerry loved being a single person. That's part of what attracted me to her was that she didn't have to be married. Mm. She was content and joyful, loved her singleness. So we finally, be, you know, explored our relationship to possibly go further. When I was 27, she was 26. Um, what really drew me to her was her godliness. What drew me to her was her sense of contentness in Jesus, her passion for Jesus, her marriage to Jesus. I didn't have that language. Mm. Uh, and I knew she could stand on her own two feet without me. But she bore witness to something very beautiful. I think I was bearing witness. I was happy as a single, I'm happy as a married. Mm. But because my life is Jesus. Uh, and so I think we want to model this countercultural prophetic vocation of yeah. singleness as leaders. We need you. And, and we, have, we have many singles in our church who have helped us uh, with marriage conferences. Mm. They coach couples, they've taught couples, and they're outstanding. And that you're able to lead to all ages and all types of people in vocations as a single person and don't shrink back. You want to learn and grow in that. So as we close here, what's, uh, we have a bunch of single leaders uh, watching this uh, podcast here. What's just a final word that you would say to them as they think about leadership, as they think about their own singleness, that vocation, uh, what just some closing words for them? Yeah, I just in, in closing, I don't want to minimize the, the challenges uh, for you single leaders. And again, I'm, I, I've heard so much and, and been with so many people in your position. And so you're all at many, many different places. But let me close by encouraging you to always distinguish between aloneness and, and loneliness. Uh, all of us must cultivate aloneness uh, in terms of learning to be alone with God and learning to be alone with ourselves in order to have healthy relationships. Loneliness is different. Um, we all experience loneliness. And, and since we work a lot with marriage, uh, 
There are many, many, many people with much deeper loneliness in marriages, I would say, than those outside marriages. Because there's nothing worse than being in a marriage and being deeply lonely. But loneliness is something we all carry with us on this side of heaven. It's part of the fall. And, uh, and you want to take steps to mitigate that as much as possible. But loneliness is part of being human, married or uh, single. And I like my great mentor, Leighton Ford, used to always say to me, he goes, every one of us uh, will die lonely uh, at the end. And that's not something anybody can escape or any leader. And so I think we want to, we want to encourage you to learn aloneness, embrace it, and yet you want to seek community uh, and to alleviate loneliness. Mm, that's great. For more information on singleness and leadership, you can go to emotionallyhealthy.org or you can also check out newlifefellowship.org for previous messages that we've done on it. Just click on the sermons tab. See you next time.